never say die! Going on 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going on 14, episode 140. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And with great power comes great responsibility. Or so I hear. I've never really had very much of either. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. You were once assistant manager at a place that I was at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The place. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, welcome to the Spider-Man show, because don't we all have our Uncle Ben's? I don't know what that means. He makes rice. I I got confused. I unfortunately had to do a lot of work today because I really got messed up and watched Good Burger 14 times last week. I thought we were doing that. I don't think I could get that messed up. And coming from me, that's saying something. (laughs) I don't think Pat could. You thought we were doing the Good Burger show? Yeah. What's in the now? Good Burger again, obviously. I watched it a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know who doesn't watch Good Burger? Probably everyone. Podcast Collective. Yes. Everyone. I mean, I'm just guessing. Just tossing that one out there. The Podcast Collective does not watch Good Burger, but you know what they do have? Oh, they have a bunch of great shows, including us, the Happy Pants Hour with Joel, and a bunch of other shows, which I was frantically trying to love. <laughs> <laughs> the Coffin Joe cast. Uh, no Hope for Humanity. Bad the, Parenting Podcast. Yes, I Am Salt The Lake. Internet with Scott the Pool Boy. Yeah. The, the Left Field Sports Lounge. No, not uh, that one. No. no. Uh, the Internet with Scott the Pool Boy is uh, coming up on a big, or just celebrate a big anniversary, the 100th yep. show. Oh, very cool. That's right. We should rate him. I do recommend you check panties. that out. All right. So if you uh, are hanging around this coming Saturday, feel free to find us on Geek Life Radio at noon. And uh, I don't know what we're around. I know the tur- is it Turnbuckle Throwbacks that disappeared. Stick I'm not sure. They redid the they redid the lineup in general. What? Yeah, what a while ago, a bunch of shows had to uh, re uh, resubmit, and I know well, we've still got our time slot. That's what I get for learning something. Get- yep. Stop don't it, Pat. Stop reading. I finally, I finally cared enough to learn the, the shows that were before and after us, and now they change it on me. Just goes to show I'm you. Trying to check, never, but goes to show you never care. Well, you can also find our older shows on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and Talkshoe. If you're looking for um, some fun times, what? Currently, there is no show before or after us on the schedule. There's another show called Doctor Who Dark at five thirty, and then Turnbuckle Throwbacks is at eight. But there's nothing before us and nothing immediately after. So what we're going to work on is getting at noon, 40 going on 14, preceded by 40 going on 14, and followed <laughs> by 40 going on 14. All all Saturday, nothing but 40 going on 14. And if you Before think and after will be, be best of 40 going on 14. Yes, and if you think that's a bad idea, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP and let us know. <laughs> that's a 708-669-9727. You can also get us on uh, Facebook. We got a neat little call now button. You can push that button and but dial us or something. What if they think it's a great idea? They could call Geek, Geek Life Radio and let them know. Yeah, they want us to. They want us to, to get our idea. own block. I think we will disabuse them of that notion by having the best of forty going on fourteen being the Peter Pan show on a loop. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> huh. that hurt me. That was a terrible. <laughs> okay, so, but uh, yeah, we have really no no listener feedback again. It's kind of been a slow month. I think people are traveling. Yeah, people are going traveling and uh, watching Civil War over and over and over again. Yes. You're going traveling. Two and a half hours of awesomeness. Yeah, we will get to that today because yeah. uh, 
we will be uh, talking about Spider-Man's official induction into the MCU, but before that, I think it's about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. Underoos and sports. All right, so uh, we decided to go with an iconic date in Spider-Man history. September 9th, 1967 is the premiere of the Spider-Man cartoon that we all know and love. And everybody knows the theme song, too, because it's still awesome. Spider-Pig. na 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 Oh, wait. Wait, no, no, you're doing it wrong again. <laughs> Making your way da, in da, the da, world. It's everything you got. That was the terrible Spider-Man cartoon, the one that that's memed all the time. Are you? Were you just singing the the French the courtship of Eddie's father? What no, I was doing the, the the theme show to Cheers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> courtship of Eddie's father starts with Schlemiel, Schlemazel, That's right. Okay, cool. That totally messed up. He's, he's doing my three sons. We're all over the board. <laughs> I am every night. All right. What? Hey, no. hey, music. Hey, Speaking of My Three Sons, uh, Bobby Gentry has the number one song in the land with Ode to Billy Joe. I originally listened to this song and didn't realize that there wasn't an L there and was really confused. <laughs> I thought she was singing to uh, the lead singer of Green Day, but he wasn't born yet, so or he might not have been. Not an L there, so you thought it was Ode to B Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was saying it was Load to Billy Joe. <laughs> Oh, that makes more sense. Wow. Yeah. I mean, let's hear it. I'm going to get two points for uh, lack of forethought on saying that shit. So uh, (laughs) moving on. Harry Connick Jr. was born on September 11th. I shaved my Connick. I knew he was going to say that. I was going to. I like him. You like him? I do too. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like he's a talented actor. Actor. Yeah, he's actually, I was going to say, he is actually a pretty good actor. I mean, he, um, what was that murderer? Copycat. 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 Yeah, that was good stuff. He was good. He's very man. charismatic. Yeah, then, um, uh, Independence Day, he was in that. He was in that. He was also in, uh, Memphis Bell. The, oh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, right. That was he was in that. So, but, uh, and Tim, the courtship of Eddie's father. Yeah, he was. He, na, na, he played an ashtray. Oh, man. Senility is going to be, like, less of an abrupt change and more of just, like, an easy slide to the right for us, I think. It's just a slight change in attitude, that's all. It's just going to be like, wow, today's Tuesday. Huh. So, uh, Tim Ripper Owens. What is Mike going to be like when he hits senility? Because he already doesn't give a shit. (laughs) You have no filter now. What are you going to be like when you really have no filter? Well, have you have I you ever pat- seen that comic that has the? He's, uh, he's going to be the old man walking through Walmart, and some woman's going to be pushing her cart. He's going to be like, "Out of my way, bitch!" <laughs> no, I don't think I'm going to get that bad. Have you ever seen when, the comic when, that has the? the uh, hits, yeah, it's got the you know, as men get older, they dress a little bit more and more casual, and it's got like a guy in a suit, and he's wearing like khakis and a Hawaiian shirt later on, and he's like, considering the way I dress now, and the last, the final picture is like this old man with like a cereal box on his head and <laughs> completely nude with like a traffic cone on his wing. Pat and I might not uh, like repeat the same stories as much. And he looks just like his dad. So. Tim Ripper Owens. How did we get here from Harry Connick? I don't know. Na, na, I'm trying na, to get on to Tim Ripper Owens, damn it. Moving on. Are you done, Joel? I'm done. Yeah, you are. <laughs> He'll be back in a second. So, uh, 
Tim Ripper Owens, American singer, songer, songer writer, <laughs> and guitarist <laughs> from Iced Earth, Judas Priest, and Charred Walls of the Damned, is born on September 13th. I didn't know Charred Walls of the Damned was a thing, but I need to find out what they're about. It's actually, it's yeah, actually like, name. it's like folk rock. CWD. Charred Walls of the Damned. Let's see. Who is in Charred Walls of the Damned? Wikipedia? Uh, probably not Wikipedia. That doesn't sound like a very heavy metal name. Uh, <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia, yes. That would be better. Okay, so Tim Ripper Owens, lead vocals. Richard Christie on drums, who was with... That guy's a dick. All right. <laughs> he is, literally. And Steve DiGiorgio on bass guitar and Jason Sukoff on guitar. Oh, I don't know any of those people. I don't either. But Movies. Jason, oh, my God. Uh, Jason Sukoff is, has been interacting with bands, everything from Aust- Austrian Death Machine, Battlecross, Chelsea Grin, All That Remains... Motionless and White, Barrier Dead, Trivium. Oh, I know Trivium. Whitechapel. Huh. That's a lot of really heavy band names. Like yeah. Vicious. That's a terrible band name. So, movies. None of them are named like Smiley Happy Time. Anything like that. What's the name of the band? There was like a, a poster. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that one meme. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was like a poster of like a German like metal cl- concert. Clown birthday party or something. Yeah, and <laughs> it's all like bubble, let- bubble letters and all that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and everyone's like, "That's the really effed up band right there." That's metal. So, but anyway. more metal than Kiss. I knew it. God <laughs> damn it, I knew it. Josh, you're not wrong. You know what's more metal than Kiss? Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, they are. Nice but segue. Starring Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway as a number one movie in America in 1967. Great. Great yeah, film. you know, I always thought of that movie as newer than late 60s. It seems like late 70s. It seems like it's... Yeah, I would have guessed late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. I would have been so Are you wrong. using it with, like, Badlands, though? The Terrence no, Malick I mean, that... I saw it on VHS in the mid-80s, and I guess I just thought it was new when I saw it. Hmm. Huh. So, um, also in the movies, Anna Mall. Male, M-A-L-L-E. Animal. 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 Nice. Oh, I clever. see what you did there. Uh, former porn star was born on September 9th. And Ashlyn Gear, 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 or Gear? Gear. Gear. Former and current porn star was born on September 14th. She was a big star. thing in the 80s. Yeah, was a thing that was stuff. <laughs> she was a thing that was stuff, yes. <laughs> well, so, uh, TFGA, the acronym of the week. Yes, that's uh, Tiger's Fucking German Athletes. <laughs> a film that proves we really weren't over World War II by 1967. <laughs> that's like in a coliseum. Strangely, strangely, it was starring Anna First Mall. they fight them, then they fuck them. And the background song is... Na, 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 na. <laughs> Uh, anyway, oh, that is actually the fastest guitar alive. Sorry. Yes, which is a movie that came out in 19, September 1967, starring Roy Orbison. It's a musical comedy set after the Civil War, where Roy Orbison plays a character called Johnny Banner, who uses a bullet-firing guitar to attempt to steal gold bullion from the U.S. Mint. What? Right, and Sam the Sham is in it also. What? Why have I never heard of this, and why does it sound like Desperado? I know. Roy Orbison was Desperado before Desperado was Desperado. I may have to watch this tonight. (laughs) I'm looking this up. Sam the Sham of Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs fame. I consider myself very much a movie aficionado, and I have never... 
ever heard of this. Well, you're ever. wrong. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. Wait till you see the photo I'm about to post. Oh, my God. Oh, with the one with the guitar up, with the, the barrel of the gun coming out of the top of the guitar? Nope. This one is, well, it's probably similar, but this one just proved that we need to watch this movie and figure out a way to tie it in to something. <laughs> is that Roy nice. Orbison? Holy That's man. Roy Orbison. Oh, I got to see this. He looks so happy that he's shooting people. With a guitar. He looks like Slim Pickens there. With a gun. Yeah, it's not even like it's a a guitar disguised as a gun. It's just a guitar with a gun, like, glued onto it. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty... It's pretty inconspicuous. Anything you (laughs) want. Eight-inch gun barrel sticking out the side of your your guitar. Anything you need. Also, 1967, (laughs) Jason Statham and Louis C.K. are both born on September 12th. Anything you want. I've shot it. Go ahead, get it out of your system. Oh, I, I'm done now. I just had to sing that last line. <laughs> Roy Orbison with a gun. I was just... waiting for the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've shot uh, it. <laughs> so, <laughs> TV. The top shows are The Carol Burnett Show, He and She, and Kenilworth. The hell is Kenilworth? Uh, I don't know what either one of those two shows are. Kenilworth or The Carol Burnett Show. Oh, you <laughs> oh. Ah. Ah. Eh, it just Liar. told me that Kenilworth is a place. Carol Burnett Show, honestly, is. I think it still holds up. Yes, it really does. Yep, it's one and of it, the... F- go ahead. I was just going to say, it's one of the few of that style of comedy from that era where it's still consistently funny today. Yeah. Well, they, they those guys just had such great rapport because, I mean... Not to, uh, not egotistically comparing them to us, but I mean, the, like the, like us, they knew each other before they even did that show. They know they'd been friends for so many years, yeah. and they knew how to play off each other so well. And more than anything else, they tried to always make each other laugh. And the fact that all of them were so good at their jobs when they actually did break up, it was usually even funnier than anything else. Because when they got e- when they would, when they did make each other laugh, that was when it was the best. Yeah, yeah. when Tim Conway came out and Harvey Korman would lose it. Yes, that- like the, the 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 scene where he plays the 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 dentist as a thousand year old or as the, as the old man, and he keeps putting different appendages to sleep. Yes. <laughs> and Harvey Corman just cannot cannot keep character no matter what. He just keeps laughing so hard and he just and he just keeps encouraging him even more. That that is and and that was actually like a running a running thing with him. Harvey Corman or I'm sorry, Tim Conway would come out with just the they uh, from what I've read about it is that he would practice it, practice it, practice, they'd practice the skit, and then he would come out and do it completely different than they had rehearsed. Yeah. And that was he had he had the real jokes ready in the back while he was just doing everything else you know, in the rehearsals that was kinda of semi funny. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean one of one of the best one of the one of the funniest things ever on television was the scene when when they were doing Mama's Family and they were playing the the trivia game, and he just keeps talking about the the Siamese mon- or the Siamese <laughs> elephants with the monkey that ran between their trunks. Yep, that scene is one of the funniest ten minutes of of television ever. Mm-hmm. All right, so September ninth, Deborah Dean Barnes, Miss Kansas, is crowned the fortieth Miss America. There have been forty Miss Americas in nineteen sixty seven. That's crazy. Hmm. That is crazy. A lot of beautiful women in Kansas City, though. Well, at least one. And you know I'm going to get me one. <laughs> Seriously, though, there are a lot. Well, if she was Miss Kansas, she would have had to have been from Kansas City, Kansas. Potentially. Oh. She could have just been from Kansas proper. Yeah, she wasn't half bad. And dang. Kansas City was just is just the metropolitan area. It's not. Anyway, never it's mind. Moving on. My, my point is she wasn't from Missouri. <laughs> True. I, I'm going to be right back. Is he going to shit? No, he just looked up pictures of Deborah Dean Barnes, so he has to take some time. Okay, I'm back. Oh, wow, that was fast. 
So uh, September 9th, NBC airs what will prove to be the pilot of Rowan Martin's Laugh-In, which would have its actual series premiere on January 22nd, 1968. Another really funny sketch comedy. Agreed. Oh, yeah. We gotta find a carryover for that, but there aren't any. I mean, what what would be? Yeah, I, I wish we could do like a sketch comedy. I mean, well, what about Jimmy um, Fa- or Jimmy Kimmel? Not Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Fallon is the closest to it right now. What about we've uh, already done a show like that? Yeah, whose line is it anyway? Not what? really. That's not no. short. That wasn't short form improv. A bit of Fry and Laurie. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Ah, it's 1989, though. Dang, it's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. What about sports? Sports is not yet ready because <laughs> there's one, one more, more thing. for TV. On September 10th, The Who destroys their instruments during a performance on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Is that the one where the drums exploded? Yep. Oh, yeah. Famous moment. Another good show that falls into that category. Yeah. Yeah. Smothers Brothers, yep. So, uh, I got to see them uh, in Vegas about six, seven years ago. The Who? Hmm. No, the Smothers Brothers. Oh. Took my father. He came to visit when I lived out there, and I got tickets to go see them because he they were some of his idols. They still, were still pretty funny. Neat. Nice. So, uh, sports on uh, September 10th at the 81st U.S. Nas- Women's National Championship. Billie Jean King beats Ann Jones 11 to nine and six to seven. And on September 9th, B.J. Armstrong. Is- <laughs> what? what we all were like, we were all like, are we gonna let that go? We let that- what did I do? You said six to seven. I did. It's a four, you were Mike. It's a four. Oh, what the hell am I drinking? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I may have just had a stroke. So uh, on September 9th, B.J. Armstrong is blown. <laughs> He was a starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. You smell toast? I love toast. Is your left arm numb? <laughs> hmm? I'm sure you guys even know who B.J. Armstrong is. Oh, absolutely. I was a huge basketball fan in the 90s, as you know. Yep. He's on The Office, right? Jesus. No, Jesus is not on The Office. <laughs> All right, let's get to the main show. We got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, we yep. do. Spider-Man, the TV show. Spider, just all of it. I mean, there's so much Spider-Man stuff. So let's start with the comics and uh, let's go with a uh, our intro. Yes, yeah. straight from Wikipedia. All right. So Spider-Man is a fictional superhero appearing in American comic books, published by Marvel in its shared universe. Was created by writer editor Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, and first appeared in Amazing Fantasy number fifteen during the Silver Age of comics. Um. They conceive the character as an orphan being raised by Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and as a teenager having to deal with the everyday struggles of adolescence, in addition to those of being a costume crime fighter. So Spider-Man's creators gave him super strength and spider-like agility, and the ability to cling to most services, shoot spider webs using wrist-mounted devices of his own invention, and react to danger quickly with his spidey sense, enabling him to combat his foes. Yeah, I mean, most of the time in the 60s, teens were going to be the uh, main hero sidekick. They were the main hero, usually this lantern-jawed guy in their 20s or 30s, and then they got this plucky sidekick. But Peter Parker was really kind of the first because he was a high schooler, and he didn't have a bigger hero to like show him the way. And he had to deal with uh, obsessing about rejection, inadequacy, loneliness, all the things normal teenagers like the people who were reading the comic books in the 60s, uh, were also going through at the same time. So, I mean, he was pretty much self-guided by his guilt over not being responsible with his powers 
and indirectly causing the death of his uncle Ben. And he ended up living by his mantra. With great power, there must also come great responsibility. And ironically, when Stanley originally came up with the the concept, he passed it off to Jack Kirby to do the artwork. And Kirby made him too muscle-bound and looking like all the other heroes at the time. So he asked if he could go to Steve Ditko. And Ditko came up with this costume, which at the time, it was unheard of to have a mask covering the face in its entirety like that. It wasn't commonplace like it is now. And so he felt that that kind of not only hid the fact that he was a teenager instead of an adult, so he could be a Spider-Man, but it also allowed other people to relate to it. So whether you're black, white, Asian, whatever, you could be under that costume no matter what. Yeah, and we'll come back to that for the now. Yeah. But uh, let's run down some of the key moments that defined Spider-Man from the 60s all the way up through the late 90s. All right. Well, obviously, the number one thing that drives Spider-Man is the death of his Uncle Ben. Um, mm-hmm. By if you're not, I'm not, I'm not calling spoilers for Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> so if you, um, you know, when you know the story, he lets the uh, guy who uh, robs the wrestling uh, box go because the the wrestling manager uh, screws him over on getting paid because it's not his problem and that same guy winds up killing his uncle uncle ben later so he lives with the fact that if he because he didn't take down that criminal at that time his uncle ben died which honestly that's some heavy shit yep especially for a kid that age yeah, and after spinning off from that first issue of Amazing Fantasy, uh, Spider-Man got his own title. And immediately after establishing the character and his high school rival Fra- Flash Thompson, his best friend Harry Osborn, and his love interest Gwen Stacy, they immediately uh, have these one uh, shot issues where they introduce a bunch of villains and the first six villains that are introduced are formed together into a kind of villainous super team the sinister six by dr octopus yeah that so. original sinister six being doc ock vulture sandman electro craven the hunter and the original mysterio i think mysterio is really underrated Sure. I mean, people joke about how his power is being able to breathe with a fishbowl full of smoke on his head. Yeah. But <laughs> Which, I mean, right. That's what it looks like. But, I, you know, same thing with Craven. I've always been a, a fan of Craven because when I was a kid before I started collecting, I remember reading uh, a comic book with him in it. And just, you know, at that point, it was very impressionable. And he always stuck with me as a character that is kind of underutilized, at least. In the bigger picture. Right. And Mysterio, in a lot of ways, is this villain that, I mean, he's a special effects guy. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was uh, creating these illusions through misdirection smoke and mirrors and using them to commit crimes and confuse Spider-Man. Right. And I think later on, his character actually wound up um, using psychotropic drugs also to, like, screw with your head. Yep. So. Whereas the rest of the four, I mean, I think everybody can agree, are pretty popular. Doc Ock being the... Yeah. Standout. Vulture, crazy old man in a flying suit. Although he could suck the youth from people to restore himself to a youthful appearance. Mm. And Electro, which he's <laughs> Until Electro. recently was cool. Even yeah. with the mask? The... Well, oh, I thought that was <laughs> badass. I mean, it was a 60s supervillain mask. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was kind of like Riddler-esque kind of craziness that it, very off-putting when you have this guy trying to hurt you and he's got this crazy mask on right but this is the original rogues gallery yeah yeah 
And then uh, before he, long before he gets in a relationship with her, in the first 43 issues, Aunt May keeps talking about trying to introduce Peter to the daughter of the girl of the people next door. And in Amazing Spider-Man 43, he finally meets Mary Jane Watson at the end of the first big Rhino uh, storyline uh, with her iconic appearance uh, in the middle of the frame. And uh, he's set up to meet Mary Jane Watson, and she says, face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. And they've redone that panel three or four times. And yeah. and in the movies, they've also used that same verbiage, too. So mm-hmm. kind of iconic. So uh, for a few years, you go through standard Spider-Man meets villain, Spider-Man beats villain, Spider-Man has problems at school, Spider-Man gets closer to Gwen Stacy until one of the really big things, uh, uh, probably the biggest thing since the death of Uncle Ben to affect him, is when uh, his girlfriend, Gwen Stacy, is killed in a particular brutal fashion yeah, uh, yeah. by the Green Goblin, basically forcing uh, Spider-Man to try to save her after she's fallen so far that him webbing her breaks her back. And uh, basically the two-parter from Amazing Spider-Man 121 to 122. Mm-hmm. He, he throws her down a, uh, a smokestack at a factory. Mm-hmm. And, it, of course, then there's – eventually there's clones. Sure. Yeah. Then, of course, they take that and they run with it because, you know, oh, what's the uh, – yeah, only Bucky stays dead, but we know that's not true anymore. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, clones became a, a, a popular thing on and off over the years. Well, and we're going to get back to that because clones yeah. take us almost to the now. But before that, uh, another big key moment in his history is when uh, right around starting in a story that started in Amazing Spider-Man 198 and finishing with the big landmark issue 200, Spider-Man finally confronts the burglar that killed Uncle Ben. Yeah. And like gets his revenge. And you know the 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 thing about this is during this whole time when he gets introduced and hits the scene, I mean it's the biggest selling comic out there and Amazing Fantasy the only reason he was even in that is that they were canceling it and they said, "All right, I'll give you a shot at this, Stanley. Here's your chance to release it." And that became the biggest selling book of the year. Yeah. And so then they started his own series because of it. Oh, and yeah, and right now, uh, good copies of Amazing Fantasy 15 are ridiculously, like, once in a lifetime you'll even see them, kind of expensive and rare. So, uh, another 50 issues passes before we hit the next landmark event, and this is a big one. Uh, It's when Spider-Man gets the Black Symbiote costume. And that changes the game. And I believe, and you may be able to correct me on this, Josh, or or maybe I'm wrong, but... I bu- the costume was designed by a, a reader, if I remember correctly, and then once it was introduced, I mean, it was just gangbusters. Everybody yeah. freaked out. I just want to toss this out here. I looked up um, Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. If you, I'm sure you guys know Graham Crackers comics. Sure. Huge. Oh yeah. Um, the Amazing Fantasy in rating of out of point five out of ten in poor condition. Goes for fifty seven hundred dollars. Jesus, point five is like practically ruined. Yeah, the the cover is like a quarter missing on this one. Now they also have one. Let's see, the highest rating they have is a six point five rating on out of scale out of ten, and that one goes for thirty nine thousand dollars. Holy shit! And Joel, you were right. Uh, The black costume idea came from twenty two year old Randy Schuler. 
after Marvel ran a competition for aspiring writers and artists to put new ideas. And not only did the symbiote costume uh, change Spider-Man, but it was a big part of the original Secret Wars. And to this day, it's one of my favorite costume designs. And it's just so simple, but it's so stark and like jarring that it just, it works really, really well. Well, because the, I mean, you think Spider-Man, you think wisecrack and happy-go-lucky, you know, Spider-Man. And it was the black, the black suit was so opposite of what we, of what we know about him. You know, I mean, for him to go that, I mean, it was that, it was also during, you know, the time where the, the dark version of characters started coming out, but it was just really jarring to have Spider-Man eventually, especially in that whole, um, that whole storyline where he starts, the change starts coming over him after the, uh, the symbiote starts taking him over. Well, and that's the reason when he realizes that the symbiote as this alien living thing is uh, starting to control his actions and affect his mind, he gets rid of it, dis- uh, discovering that you c- he can make it go away through sound waves. Yeah, the whole scene with him in the bell tower. And we're about to see the symbiote come back again. But before that, in Spider-Man Annual number 21, having gotten over over the years the death of Gwen Stacy and gotten together with Mary Jane Watson, they finally have their wedding uh, in Spider-Man Annual number 21. Mm-hmm. Huge event in the 80s. Because they were like the couple that like everyone wanted to see get married. Yeah, and it got to the point that it was so popular that they actually staged a live wedding of Spider-Man and Mary Jane. They did. Yeah, they I actually held a, a a a real life wedding. Um, I for <laughs> trying to villain remember. show up and try and break it all up. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where it was, but it was in, in one of the big stadiums. Uh, I was trying to look it up before we got there, but Madison uh, Cube Garden. <laughs> one of the cool things about Chase this Stadium story is that uh, villains aren't really up on the radar for this particular story. The antagonist is the fact that everyone's been building to it. All their friends and family are excited for them. And both Peter and Mary Jane are having their doubts and almost don't get married right before the big event. So it's like the antagonist is uh, their own doubts about what's going to change once they get married, if this is what they really want. Which takes a, the, the comic in an entirely, I mean, in a, a lot of ways, in a different direction, at least sure, mentally in the way that he reacts to things and how the character is portrayed. And I think that's why Spider-Man resonates with so many people is because those kinds of problems you don't see in any other heroes. And they're the kinds of problems that the people reading the comics have to deal with in their own lives. Yeah, and that Which- was that was one of the draws of his because I mean we starting him off as this scrawny little high schooler he was so everybody identified with him. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty <clears throat> it's pretty hard to I, to identify with somebody whose only weakness is kryptonite, you know, things like that. Right, right. Is, if this kid's trapped by his guilt, his feelings of inadequacy, his constant belief that he might be in over his head. Which but he, kind of set Marvel apart from DC and, and mm-hmm. kind of changed the way that the, the comics were presented. I mean, you look at some of the characters that came after, like Daredevil or, um, you know, some of the other ones that had flaws and they were humans and, you know, they were doing the best they could while still being a superhero. So the black Spider-Man costume was so popular, we weren't going to see it gone forever because the next big landmark issue, Amazing Spider-Man number 300, the symbiote costume, having been rejected and spurned by Peter Parker, finds its way to Eddie Brock, uh, someone who has also been wronged by Parker, and he becomes Venom when the costume bonds with him. Now, is Eddie Brock, he was the... 
What was his relation to Jameson? Well, he was the reporter on the case. Uh, there was a big death. Uh, I forget the name of the character. Uh, there's a uh, right around in between Secret Wars and Venom. There was this whole uh, thing about somebody died. Kind of a side story. Okay, I'm looking up, looking it up now. Yeah, I'm trying to look it up too. <clears throat> yeah, hey, uh, Eddie Brock was a journalist who was exposing the identity of a serial killer uh, with the death of this character whose name is uh, escaping me. And then Spider-Man catches the uh, real killer, and Brock is disgraced as a journalist because he accused the wrong man. Hmm. Which arguably, and and, uh, and that's why I'm saying arguably, Venom is probably outside of Deadpool one of the most popular characters in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. I would say so, especially in more recent uh, times. We're not going to come back to Venom so much since we're talking about Spider-Man, but uh, Venom and the symbiote have become a hero uh, when you get closer to today. Well, yeah, he's what uh, agent. Well, he Flash Thompson's got the suit now. Right. Well, isn't there Agent Venom or something? He was part of um, the Flashpoint or whatever, the Deadpool Wolverine there, team, wasn't he? Yeah, there's like a whole um, team of symbiotes now. A planet. Wow. Yeah. Which, I gotta get I mean, on this stuff. they've been trying to get a movie made for, for that for a while. And I'm thinking with the success of Deadpool and Spider-Man being back that that may actually happen here at some point. So uh, the other really big landmark before we start hitting 2000s, because the 90s get a little weird when it comes to Spider-Man, but they do release uh, Spider-Man 2099 in their separate, like, far-flung future Marvel Universe where Miguel O'Hara takes a version of the suit and becomes the 2099 Universe's Spider-Man. I like 2099. Yeah, Spider-Man and Doom kept it going for a long time. They released a bunch of them. I love Ghost Rider, but Ghost Rider 2099 kind of sucked. Same thing with Punisher. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man 29, I, the suit was just so badass. My only problem with that was the character design was kind of flawed. Um, for I mean, for all the 2099 titles, it was really kind of cheesy. But you're right. I mean, Doom, I collected them, and Doom and Spider-Man were both really good. So, So we wouldn't end up not talking about anything from, like, 1991 up to 2000 the summary i have of the 90s and early 2000s is basically uh this cycle of peter and mary jane breaking up and then getting back together and this whole clone thing that we talked about a little earlier where uh peter meets his parents finds out no those aren't his parents those are robots there's this other clone of peter parker running around named ben riley Mm -hmm. and then they're not sure if ben is the original and peter's the clone or peter's the original and ben's the clone doesn't um, Aunt May eventually finally die at one point, but then she comes back? She dies and comes back several times. There are yeah. villains that fake her death. She dies, and uh, the most semi-permanent death for Aunt May we're going to get to in the now. All right. But uh, I, I wanted to make sure that referred to uh, this stuff, because for, like, for like 10 years, you're getting with the clone stuff and Peter quitting being Spider-Man, going to prison, and his clone Ben taking up uh, the mask for a while. Yeah. Now, I have a question. I know Patrick is not a big comic reader. It's definitely the, the least of the three of us. Of these key moments we're talking about, how many of those did you already know? Uh, I I was reading the comic from about Dear 1986. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you, you were You're not all Patrick. All right. You know what? I refuse to get <laughs> shit over mistaking four for a seven if... Joel does not know that he's not Pat. I thought he was asking us all the question. I missed that part about Pat. Go ahead. I Pat. am vindicated. 
Um, I didn't know anything about Gwen Stacy until um, she, I heard her, I heard her name mentioned in one of the um, one of the Spider-Man movie trilogies. I think that I think it was the Andrew Garfield ones because I didn't. I heard like, oh, so and so was Gwen Stacy. I'm like, who the hell is Gwen Stacy? I looked her up and I read a little bit about her. So I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know anything about um, um, the Miguel O'Hara, the Spider-Man 2099, but everything else I knew about. Okay, hmm. so I, that's that's interesting to me because we know how far out of the comics world you are. Right. But Spider-Man's so ubiquitous that most of the other stuff, you at least had a passing knowledge of, oh, I've heard of that guy. Yeah, it's either been on the TV show or the movies or something, you know, mm-hmm. or or just straight-up pop culture. I mean, Mary Jane and Peter Parker, they're, they're pretty much straight-up pop culture by now. Right. Okay, and Joel, you're going to talk about your uh, history with, like, the character. May as well get you back into that, because <laughs> I am interested. Oh, I was just going to say that, I mean, from about 1986 to 1993, I was collecting and so all of these big moments primarily i mean all happened during my timeline of actually collecting the comics and i remember all of them and especially secret wars because that one was huge plus um i remember getting the action figures for that and just the the black suited spider-man was always my favorite one next to the daredevil Um, (laughs) i still have the secret wars dr doom Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got all the the figures too. That of all the the few that I had, but um, I mean, it's just one of those things that, for whatever reason, it resonates. Whether it's the costume or the character or the villains or it's just the right place, right time, everything. How about you, Mike? You have much of a history of Spider-Man. Oh man, I had the Spider-Man like web blaster thing that had the suction cup dart thing <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, Spider-Man action figure, the one where you, you know you take the you remember he had the string in his hand. Like the fishing line in his hand, and you take that and you tie it to something. You'd flip a switch on his back, and he'd climb up the wire. Nice that sort of thing. I had that. I mean, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little older than you guys, so I was. I mean, every day. This is, you know, where is it? Hang on. Every day coming home from school. Hopefully, YouTube won't mess me over on this one, but. I even even on re- on reruns I've watched that so many times. That show was like my, was my thing. Oh um, yeah, I remember like Spider-Man and his amazing friends was a uh, staple of my early like Saturday morning cartoons. And that was the one with Iceman and Firestorm. Firestar. Firestar. Okay. Yeah. That um yeah, I I didn't watch that one too much because I was by that point I was a little bit older. I mean, it was I don't know what cartoon I was watching at that point, but um, try to remember maybe it was all about X Men at that point. Well, this would have been nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty three for Amazing Friends, so like ten mm-hmm. years before X Men. Wow. Yeah, my my favorite was the Amazing Spider Man when I was a kid. That was that show was one of my favorites. The one what the one where I just played the theme song to? Yeah, seventies. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Where you'd see the little thought bubbles pop up. Yeah, I didn't get into comics until the Attitude Era in the 90s. And while Spider-Man wasn't on my pull list, I ended up having to buy issues because he was tied into everything. Which was good because at the time his own stories didn't make any damn sense. So him like <laughs> teaming up with Ghost Rider or him teaming up with Punisher or any of the other stuff I was into meant I had to go get those issues that were relevant. And those were usually better than the Amazing Spider-Man main book. Hmm. Yeah, I was about the toys, had the mask. Well, my mom made me a mask. I pretty much spent most of my early life 
spent most of my life pretending I was somebody else, actually. <laughs> <laughs> kind of depressing now that I say it out loud, but yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, my first ski-style mask, you know, the the full, like, you only see them in, like, people robbing banks now. Yeah. Yeah. But when we were kids, everyone had to wear those in the winter, and mine was a Spider-Man mask. Oh, that's sweet. That's fantastic. Nice. Well, and there were, you know, th- th- there were so many different Spider-Man books. I mean, <clears throat> it was hard to keep up, and not all of them were top quality anyway, so. It's true. Yeah, well, I mean, Spider-Man was the thing. is like, he was so popular, they wanted him everywhere. Yeah, and exactly. And they spread him. I mean, at one point, I think he had, like, over 15 books. That would not surprise me at all. So, I mean, it's and it's just like anything else. I mean, you can only tell so much story. I mean, you can only spread them so thin before, especially with a company that's so much into continuity as Marvel is. I mean, how do you have all, how do you have all these different books all going on at the same time? And clones. then, yeah, that's exactly so. Mm-hmm. Clones, it's just like well, aliens, and now. they just kept bringing back dead villains. They're like, and he has a pretty deep rogues gallery, uh, at least uh, deep as Batman's. Maybe mm-hmm. they aren't as top tier as Batman's villains, but uh, there are just so many that you're like, oh yeah, that's a Spider-Man villain, isn't it? And when they kill them off, ten years later, they have this dramatic resurrection. Well, I mean, you've got, yeah, speaking of the rogues, if you think Spider-Man, who's the first villain you think of? Craven the Hunter. Doc well, Ock. Not Green Goblin? I, he's probably the, the nemesis. Like, if you're going to have to choose the arch villain who is... But I always think of Doc Ock first. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I would say Craven, Goblin, Green Goblin, slash Hobgoblin, and Doc Ock are the big, biggest big three. Yeah. They're kind Let's of the see. equivalent to Joker, Penguin. And the Riddler. Here's the a Riddler. couple just to, to throw out. Thanks um, for- that we haven't mentioned, uh, the lizard. Oh yeah. Scorpion. Yeah. Um, shocker. I mentioned Rhino, but, uh, only in passing. Oh, right? you know, what's another good one is tombstone. Uh, well, mm-hmm. Kingpin technically, uh, the black cat. Oh yeah. Black cat uh, as another sub uh, side love interest. That's very clearly a like Spider-Man's cat woman. Um, well, and then, of course, all the other ones that we've mentioned. I mean, you're right. I mean, just kind of going through this list, it's like, well, Silvermane is another one that I remember just because he was around during the time I was reading. But Craven's last hunt was so good where Craven actually uh, hunts down Spider-Man, takes him down and buries him and then puts his mask on and goes around killing criminals. I'm telling it's you, at some point, they, they're talking about putting him in one of the movies, and I'm looking forward to it. A Craven movie? Well, and if they do uh, one of the Spider-Man, the new versions, if they'll throw him in there somewhere. I've never even heard of Craven. Oh, you yeah, would Craven like... Craven the Hunter. You actually, I think you would like Craven. Craven's a great... Um, He's he's one of those I've hunted everything in the in the world, you know, and he wants to go after the most da- you know, the most dangerous game thing. So he goes after Spider-Man, seeing him as the, a worthy opponent. Yeah, the ultimate prey. So, and yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, coming coming into the little bit to the now, but there is a whole Craven um uh, um level on uh the Spider-Man video game. Nice. That's just awesome. But that's a now thing. Um, Plus, his his costume is one of those where frequently it's hard to do electro on film. They could have done it better than they did, but yes, mm-hmm. he looks doofy. But Craven, uh, you could do Craven on the big screen and have him not look stupid. Yeah, yeah. You actually, well, I mean, they can, if they can do it with uh, Doctor Strange, they can do it with anybody, really. Yep. But um, video game wise, did anybody play? Was there any NES games with? Uh... Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I played the NES game. There was a computer game too for uh, it was like a text parser adventure. 
Oh, okay, because I remember my big my big one was uh, Spider Man versus uh, not Venom, but the other one, the red one, the Hobgoblin or Green Hobgoblin no, Carnage Carnage Spider Man versus oh. Carnage, and then then Spider Man Return of the Sinister Six. Well, let's not forget the Atari Spider Man game, which I played the crap out of. Oh yeah, it was actually not bad for that era of uh, games for Atari, especially licensed games. I just like the games where you could shoot something and like swing like Bionic Commando style. And this was, you know, precursor to that. Nice. Um, it, yeah, it was a fun game. I liked it. Yeah. I was, Amazing Spider-Man Lethal Foes was NES era. Okay. Yeah. There's um, Return of the Sinister Sticks was like the big one that I remember because that came out in 92 and that was in, man, it was like, I was on the Game Gear, it was on the NES. It had a Genesis translation to it. Um, the one I'm thinking of, Spider-Man and Venom of Maximum Carnage. Oh, yeah. That was Huge the one event. That was when it um the video game cartridge was was red. Do you remember that? That was kind of Oh awesome. yeah. That was cool. So Well and Carnage, for people who don't know, possibly including Pat, is an offshoot of the symbiote, which uh blends with a guy who was already a serial killer. Yeah. Country fried serial killer Cletus Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. and it's and it's just as awful as you think you think it is, because you know you know what Venom is, right? Yeah. Okay. You have you have Venom, and then you imagine giving that power to um, somebody from Duck Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more like still leaning more towards serial killer, but like imagine if Freddy Krueger oh. had the symbiote, Harry Connick like, and Copycat, right. Leatherface with the symbiote. Yeah, there you go. Right. Um, just completely, even to the point where Venom is like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like uh, Carnage is like Venom. You got some ideas here, but you're kind of a wuss. Yeah. And he just tears people up. So, yeah, it's a good game. It's a great storyline, too. But uh, other other cartoons, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. That was the one we just talked about. Fox Kids, Spider-Man, 1994 to 1998. Why don't I remember yeah. Well, this was one that was launched almost in response to the success of the X-Men. Okay. I'm They're looking. like, we got some other Marvel stuff to work with. Let's let's launch another Spider-Man cartoon. Okay, Spider-Man, and then there was Spider-Man Unlimited. And which... I mean, there were so many incarnations of him on television, and and I mean, remember the Electric Company? I mean, oh shit, the Spider-Man that just wanted to teach us to read. Yeah, um, I mean, they're totally one of my favorite Spider-Man, the Electric Company one. Remind me in the now, right near the end, that I promised to get back to him. He's actually relevant in the now, the electric company Spider-Man, believe it or not. Huh. Um, but I mean, you know, at the time it was so hard to, to get him to be portrayed that way that, that the comic or the cartoons made more sense because you could get away with, you know, him web slinging across the screen. But they tried several times to do something on TV that just, you had a guy in a spandex suit that it's pretty bad, some of it. Yeah. And then you have, of course, the offshoots of Spider-Man as, uh, Peter Porker, the amazing Spider-Ham. Which was actually quite a good series and lasted really, for quite a while. It really was. It was, yeah, one of their weird comedy series. And a lot of the best episodes of What If uh, were based on key moments. What happens if this different thing happens in Spider-Man's life and they tell the story? Yeah. And that f- uh, features heavily into the creation of what becomes the Marvel multiverse, mm-hmm. uh, where all of those individual realities are their own bubble they happen just not on core marvel timeline yeah it's like at one point or another they said you know these what ifs what if we did more than one of these comics ran with it like the what if gwen stacy didn't get killed yeah and those concepts are really going to be relevant once we get to coming closer to what's going on with spider-man now pat you got anything 
Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. Well said. Very, <laughs> very good. Go I... to the break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to run down key recent moments. And we're going to be talking a lot about movies in the second half because uh, Spider Man showed up and then was rebooted twice. Yeah. Well, three times now. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. All right. Two of them were reboots. One Come on, true believers. There's more. We'll be back. Thwip. Did you say thwip? Thwip. 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 That's the sound his web shooters make. Thwip. I know, but thwip. it just threw me off guard because I wasn't sure that's what you actually said. All right, and welcome back to our Spider-Man show. No, not Spader Man. No, Spooder Man. That, that's a different show. I'd watch Spader Man. All James Spader. <laughs> yes, I would watch James Spader as Spider Man. <laughs> that's so weird. Be the most laid back Spider Man you've ever seen. Like, uh, not... Maybe, maybe I'll fight you. Maybe I won't. But it, he's going to be the James Spader from uh, Secretary. No. <laughs> I was hoping I... he'd be the sec- uh, the uh, James Spader from Age of Ultron. I was Ooh. thinking the James Spader from The Office. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> Robert California. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about movies. That's very. I'm sorry. That's just very telling. Is that we say James Spader and all the different ways that the four of us thought about him. With that was really (laughs) James Spader from Sex Life and Videotape. Yeah. James Spader from Pretty and Pretty and Pink. Okay, go ahead. I think I think think we went down down the Spader hole. All right, we're going to talk a lot about the films, but before we get there, I want to run down the key moments from like early 2000s to now in where Spider-Man has been in the comics. So after all the clone stuff and the off again, on again, breaking up with Mary Jane and getting back to her, a big moment in New Avengers 1 and Amazing Spider-Man 519 is a Spider-Man finally joining the Avengers. So you can see, like, since the last uh, big moment was Venom for us in Amazing Spider-Man 300. So that's, I'm not going to say that the books were terrible for 200 plus issues but like this is the next big landmark mainly because it sets up for what we're about to talk about near the end of this show his appearance in civil war but there was a weird time for comics in the late 90s early 2000s in general so yeah and you get to the mid to late 2000s and civil war is start the start of where things start to get back on track and civil war has a very similar premise to the uh, one in the films and this is the point now we're going to be spoiling the hell out of civil war i know we don't normally go too overboard with warning you about spoilers but it's, it's a brand less, new movie yeah it's less than a week at this point right, right. so we're going to be talking about it and we have to to talk about the differences between civil war and the comics and the film i mean basically you had a superhuman registration act after a uh, new mutant accidentally uh, has a uh, battle with a supervillain during the taping of a reality show, and blocks get blown up, including an elementary school. Uh, this prompts the government to say, okay, all superheroes need to either register their secret identities, work for the government, and be subject to government oversight, or we've got a special prison for you. And this prison was cooked up by Tony Stark and Stephen Strange, this extra-dimensional space called, like, the Negative Zone, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stark is all about it, and Cap is just like, no, this cannot happen. You're putting people's lives 
at risk. You're putting their families at risk. Uh, this is hearkening back to the days of World War II. You cannot do this. You can't put badges on people and force them to register. And that's the, kind of the key conflict. And Spider-Man in the original Civil War is a key figure because he's first on Stark's side. He's one of the first uh, superheroes to go on national television, remove his mask, and declare to the world, I'm Peter Parker and I'm Spider-Man and always have been. Mm -hmm. And as a result of him unveiling himself, uh, his uh, many, many enemies he's gained over the years immediately go after Aunt May and put her in critical condition. What else were they expecting to happen? Well, it's it's not so much that that there was a chance to protect her. Right. (laughs) It was like... It's like, imagine all of them sitting around the TV at the same time going, hey! (laughs) Right? So. Yeah, and uh, he ends up having this big conversation with Captain America and uh, the famous speech when when the media, the government, the world tells you something wrong is something right and says you need to move. You stand by the tree on the river of, I I think it's justice, and say, no, you move. Uh, And they kind of reprise that speech in the movie. And that's what gets Peter to switch sides. Yeah. I mean, it's too late. Yeah. He he cracks wise at the point. He he tells Cap, can I like carry your books to school like forever? (laughs) Yeah. But like, this is like the first really great Spider-Man story of the modern era. Yeah. Followed, unfortunately, by the biggest stain on Spider-Man probably in his history. One more day, immediately after Civil War, J. Michael Straczynski, the guy who made Babylon 5, who was writing for Spider-Man at the time, is cornered by Joe Quesada. And basically, they're sick of the Spider-Man and Mary Jane marriage. They want it gone. Uh, they feel that the character's more relatable as a single guy, and they can go back to telling those stories. They can't break up Mary Jane and Spider-Man anymore, so they have this solution, and they made JMS write it, yeah, called it, One More Day. And in this, they basically retcon at the last how many years? By the oh, use geez. of and, – and who uh, – I forgot the name of the uh, – the demon that they mephisto mephisto yeah Yeah, it's marvel marvel's devil basically says i'll save aunt may but the price is your marriage it never happened yep which really kind of sucked because was he allowed to hold the memories at least nope I mean, he kind of knows something happened there, but she will never remember him. It never happened. And uh, the fans hated it. To this day, it's, uh, I mean, Spider-Man was just getting his feet again. They just had this awesome story with Civil War, and then one more day happens. Yeah, I can't I can't even imagine why, I mean, how much, I mean, his Aunt May's in critical condition, you know, you could have solved that so many other ways. Right. I, I mean, mean, well, think about how long of a life she'd had and how much she'd lived. And I mean, yeah. ultimately, I mean, I don't want to be cruel, but I mean, when it's time to go, it's your time to go. I don't know. It's, that's a tough call. Well, I mean, the villain in that case isn't Mephisto. It's Joe Quesada. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, it really that, is. That's what's going on, that the Marvel Comics editor-in-chief has said their marriage needs to go. Yeah. And that 2007 that happens. And the thing was, it was when, you know, Peter Parker goes through his life, he's this, you know, again, scrawny little teenager, and he gets Mary Jane Parker. 
as his wife, which is, I mean, and when that happened, nerds around the world went, yeah. Yeah, cause she's a supermodel. Yeah. And it was, and that was the thing was like, all of them were like, good for you, Peter. You deserve that. And it was like a, you know, like everyone was happy for him because of that. And it was one of the characters, you know, one of the cool parts of the character. But, and then they took it away to save beef jerky. Now, Aww. the theme of the modern uh, Spider-Man era is bad things happen to Peter Parker. But the next uh, twist in his life is a pretty popular one where uh, Dr. Octopus, whose consciousness is – he's been dead for a while. His consciousness is almost like in the internet. Uh, he, his consciousness exists in this technology that Parker's had to use for a while, this form of like a helmet. And Doc Ock gets into Peter Parker's mind and manages to mind swap, putting Parker's consciousness into his own dying body and putting his consciousness in control of Peter Parker. Which I think was pretty clever. Yeah, the only thing is, is a core part of Peter's being is the concept that great power has a cost of great responsibility. And this affects Otto Octavius. So Otto Octavius, the same guy who tried to marry Aunt May, who created the Sinister Six. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that I forgot about that too. <laughs> he uh, decides that he's going to take the lessons of the core of his new being to heart. and He's not only going to be Spider-Man, but he's going to be the best damn Spider-Man there ever was. Superior Spider-Man. The superior Spider-Man. He's going to mm. prove he was better than Peter Parker in every way. And what does that mean? Spider henchmen, a spider fortress, and spider bots. <laughs> so he he is spider-man but he does things in the most villainous possible way to still technically be a hero he's basically spider-man the bond villain yeah yeah and it's awesome <laughs> and eventually i mean sure he he learns from having been spider-man that uh peter parker was a better man than he ever was and that peter's consciousness is still there and he sacrifices himself to put uh parker back in the driver's seat eventually but this was hugely popular in like the late 2000s. Like, I, I think that this event started in like 2010 ish. Really? It's that long ago. Yeah. It seems, it seems more closer to me. Now, at the same time, you've got, uh, Miles Morales becoming Spider-Man in Marvel Ultimates. Now, for people that aren't hardcore Marvel geeks, this requires some explanation. I talked about how there were multiple Marvel universes, uh, starting with like what ifs and Spider Ham and all those other like crazy things that are clearly not core Marvel continuity. Superior Spider Man, Superior Spider Man was 2013. Okay. So okay. yeah, it was really new. Sorry. Just wanted to throw that out there. 2013, 2014. Okay. Cool. There's um, a couple years that I haven't lost. Was a response to the renewed interest in comic books with the advent of the superhero movie, but they decided that there was a problem with comics. Uh, it was too much to expect a brand new fan to like get into all this history. So they had to launch a separate universe where all they could restart all the stories and tell them slightly differently. Mm -hmm. Most of them weren't all that popular with the exception of Spider-Man and a few other titles like Fantastic Four was pretty big. Uh, the incarnation of Nick Fury in the Ultimates line was pretty popular. Yeah, which is where we get the Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury that we have now. Right, because Ultimate Nick Fury was based on Samuel L. Jackson's actual appearance. Mm -hmm. um, the Spider-Man in Ultimate Spider-Man is this kid, Miles Morales, who has the same powers as Peter Parker, but his catalyst is not Uncle Ben dying. 
through his inaction. His catalyst is he's afraid to use his powers. He doesn't want to be a superhero. The idea of getting involved with villains uh, terrifies him. And through his inaction, it's Peter Parker who dies. Yep. And uh, he decides that he's got the same powers. Now there isn't a Spider-Man and it's all my fault. This is what I got to do. And Mike had said in the beginning, like part of the popularity of Spider-Man is with the the mask. It could be anybody under there. Miles Morales is a mixed race. That. Oh, Joel said that. It's <laughs> a uh, mixed race a Latino African-American kid. And he is the new face of Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. for Ultimates. And despite the fact that Ultimates didn't uh, didn't do so well, and a lot of the books were canceled, uh, Miles was a huge hit. So I thought it was worth mentioning since we're talking about the character. Well, and they were even petitioning or trying to convince Marvel to maybe make Miles Morales a, either a, a movie with him, or there was I thought there was talk of Civil War originally, but um, mm-hmm. including him that that version of Spider Man since we'd already seen the Peter Parker storyline two times over. Uh, then we get into something that is awesome and kind of bonkers. The Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spider- <laughs> I'm the saying spider uh, kind of bonkers is a great way to put that. Spider-Verse, like, one of the first events in Spider-Verse is when Spider-Man 2099 teleports into uh, the core Marvel universe and is like, he's hunting us, and then dies. Now, that wasn't the actual Spider-Man 2099 Miguel O'Hara. It was one Miguel O'Hara. Because there's this guy named Morlin, who's this family, a part of this family of, like, vampires that have been hunting on super-powered beings that are powered by totems, basically. Uh, like, Black Panther is a superhero who's powered by the spirit of Panther. In all through the various universes, there are some heroes, special people that have connections to animal spirits or animal intelligences. Morlin likes feeding on all of the various incarnations of Spider-Man and starts hunting them throughout all universes. Uh, there are cameos. This is I, I told you I was going to talk about the electric company Spider-Man. Yeah. He's mentioned in the Spider-Verse. Are you kidding me? That's he is, hilarious. Uh, yeah, him, Spider-Ham. Um, they introduce uh, Silk, who was somebody else who got uh, bit at the same time Peter did, but they were imid- immediately hidden because two Spider-Totem people in the Cora Marvel Universe would draw moral in there. Uh, and you have this crazy team-up of all of the surviving Spider-Men, including several Peter Parkers, a version of Superior Spider-Man, Otto Octavius, who got himself, like, lost in time briefly mm-hmm. and, and joins the team. Spider-Gwen. Yes, a version of Gwen Stacy, who – it was her boyfriend, Peter Parker, who was killed by the Green Goblin, and she was Spider-Man. Yep. Or Spider-Woman. And her co- – she's got a pretty cool costume. Spider, Spider-Broad. <laughs> at well, this, at that, this point, yes, there are – there's a, a wide variety of Spider-Men. Yeah, well, that that version of the character also seems to become quite popular. Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody loves Spider Gwen. Yeah. In her white suit and like hoodie top. Yeah. So I, I thought this was really cool with this family of vampires that uh, all of the crazy different incarnations of Spider Man that there could be throughout all of the multiple Marvel universes. Uh, he, he's hunting them down and taking them out, and the survivors are banding together to fight. What's your favorite, Josh, out of all the Spider-Verse characters? Oh, man. I, I mean, I want to say something kooky like Six-Armed Spider-Man or the dude who like looks like a spider, but it's probably Spider-Gwen. I think mine's Spider-Man Noir. 
that one where he's kind of it's like set in the 30s his suit is all black but it looks kind of like one of those uh-huh. the cross so he looks it's kind of like um take venom the rocketeer and spider-man and push them together and you know he's got this black trench coat, the big goggle eyes, and the you know the the. It's almost like a steampunk Spider-Man. Kind of. Kind yeah, of. almost like uh, Maltese Falcon Spider-Man. Yeah. Here, I'll let me pass. I'm, I'm yeah, posting I'm trying a bunch to look of images. There's a bunch of images for you, but he's the Philip, I, like Philip Marlowe man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, we are almost to current day, but there's one huge thing. Uh, we might do a show on it, so I want to touch on it very briefly, but Secret Wars. Secret Wars involved the destruction of all of those multiple universes and making the core Marvel universe the only one. But Marvel wanted to save a few bits and pieces from uh, Ultimates, and Miles Morales was one of those bits and pieces that they wanted to save. And at the end of Secret Wars, once... There's one universe and everything's happy. Both Peter Parker and Miles Morales are in the core universe. And as a side note, they undid one more day. Peter and MJ are married again. Good. So, yeah. I think Secret Wars at the end was Marvel going, okay, in the last 20 years, we fucked up a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Please forgive us. We're going to fix that. Please forgive us, and we will give you these amazing movies. (laughs) So that pretty much takes us up because the aftermath of civil of uh, secret wars is pretty much ongoing. Like the post secret wars Marvel universe is something that's still in its infancy right now. So I think right. we're ready to move away from comics unless you guys have some things to say about recent Spider-Man and go to TV and movies. Yeah, I yep. haven't read a Spider-Man comic in years. Yeah, I have. So. I'm the same one. I haven't bought a book in a long time. Uh, I have been, however, watching, you know, the different, uh, Spider-Man cartoons that have been jumping across, uh, Netflix. Uh, what was the one that I'm watching? Specta- Ultimate Spider-Man? I think that's the one that's, I've been... The Drake Bell Disney XD one? No, I don't, yeah, this, okay, yeah, Drake Bell does the voice of Spider- Spider-Man in this one. Um, it's really good. <laughs> I mean, it's... You know, I, I've watched some of the, in the last week, I, I took some time and I went back and I watched some of the old 70s Spider-Mans, Spider-Man TV show, uh, the cartoons. And you know, it's not awesome. Well, I'll take that back. <laughs> it's not good, but it's still awesome. Okay. It's, it's, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I could accept Be- that. Yeah, because I'm watching, I'm just like, this is, the, I mean, these are, the, the voicing is terrible, the animation is horrible, but there's that, I love it so much, I don't care. There's something, uh, well, it's nostalgia, but right. it's also something charming about it. And the character is so much ingrained in our system as something that we like that even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Yeah. Well, this one is just really, really good. Um, they've got a, I mean, just about every, uh, villain that you can think all, I mean, all the way down to like Mesmero, uh, you've got live the living laser. I mean, all these. Uh, the Steel Spider. They pull all these other different characters out of there. The Ringmaster? Um, uh, pretty sure Ringmaster's in there. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just, <laughs> just one that popped in my head that would fit well with your, oh, yeah. You mentioning. But, um, no, it's really well written. It's, uh, premiered, like Josh said, 2012 in Disney XD. Uh, and it's just r- a lot of fun to watch. You know, it's, it's really well made. Um, this, of course, as we now know, Marvel is now, well, Disney owns Marvel, um, and they've 
made sure, just like in the movies, they've made sure that these are done well. These are not going to be some corny cash grab or some, you know, it's it's made with the same love that I think the first Spider-Man TV show was made with. If that nice. Makes. So, I mean, I, it's on it's on Netflix right now, and you can waste an afternoon watching a few of these. So, so also in TV, besides the one you were watching, we got a few other entries here. Uh, Spider-Man Unlimited that was right at our break point of 99 to 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new animated series uh, that was in 2003. And then they launched the spectacular Spider-Man, which lasted from 2008 to 2009. Well, the interesting thing about Spider-Man, the new animated series, uh, voice talent of Spider-Man done by Neil Patrick Harris. Nice. Uh, Lisa Loeb as Mary Jane Watson. This day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hear what I want to. Rob Zombie plays the lizard. Please dear. <laughs> oh wait, that was James Hetfield. Sorry. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. Uh, Clancy oh. Brown does several. Does the ox, the rhino, and a bunch of other voices. Also, he's awesome. So, and Virginia Madsen does the voice of Silver Sable. Nice. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, even down to I'm trying to look at some of the other ones. Uh, Tara Strong has some voices. Ed Asner. Mm. Tara Strong, best known as the voice of Barbara Gordon for the last two decades. Right. And uh, James Marsters also. Nice. So, I mean, it's a seriously great lineup for the voices. It was good. Um, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I enjoy the one on Disney. Well, I just added Ultimate Spider-Man to my Netflix queue because, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, based on your recommendation. Oh, I think you'll like it. It's a good time to be a geek. Indeed. And that's something after we got out of seeing Civil War... And I'm walking out of the, walking out of the movies and the posters that I'm walking by, it's Doctor Strange, X-Men, um, uh, Suicide Squad, World of Warcraft, the movie. I'm like, what the hell has happened? Right. I'm like, <laughs> I would be, I mean, back when I was a kid, you were lucky to get one really shitty version of Mario Brothers, you know, in five years. And now this summer is just like all about the geekdom it's all about the superheroes it's all about the fan you know uh i guess geek fantasy games and geek fantasy and cartoons and all that it's just and i really hope they're doing good jobs with them then marvel is but i really wish the others would get on board with it like fox yeah well let's let's get into fox and sony's well don't forget barbershop the next cut that that was out that's out now too i heard that actually heard that's pretty good that's like number three at the box office right now i'd rather see green room but anyway okay so getting into the movies yes wow we start with the sam raimi toby Maguire trilogy which was good I, I was just going to say the same thing, which at the time, and I remember going to see this with uh, uh, my friends, Ted and Nisha. We went to go, uh, all f- four of us went to go see this. And he he was a he's huge Spider-Man fan. And I remember walking out of the movie theater and we, we were talking to each other and we're both like, you know, Tobey Maguire, this is the part he was born to play. And we're, we're so emphatic that, you know, this was the Spider-Man we've been waiting for. Sam Raimi gets it. Uh, you know, all the, all the points it was like, yes, this is what we wanted. Little did you know they were going to make sequels. Yeah. Well, but point taken, part two might just be better than part one because of Alpha Molina. Part well, three sure. is... Doc Ock was better than Robo Goblin. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, aside from Robo Goblin, I actually enjoyed the first Spider-Man from Sam Raimi. I thought that was the one glaring misstep in an otherwise very good movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. 
Yeah, I, like, by I, I think that Alfred Molina was the bright spot in an otherwise kind of crappy Spider-Man too. He he made it worthwhile, in my opinion, and, and maybe it's not as good as the as the first one, but because of his portrayal, it it lifted it above. Well, three is just an abomination, but yeah, but I mean, and with with number two, it was the you know after seeing it, realizing, damn, Alfred Molina is Doctor Octopus. Right. And that's the thing is, at the time, I was much kinder to Spider-Man 2, because what did we have to compare it to? Just like the X-Men movies, which were fine for their day. But like now looking at it through the lens of the modern Marvel Universe, I kind of look back and go, huh, how about that? Well, and out of what, seven, almost eight X-Men movies that have been made now, there's only been two that are worth mentioning, in my opinion. But anyway. Then you've got. Part well, I feel three. kind of the same way about the whole the, the first trilogy too. I liked it when I first saw it, and like, but in retrospect, watching it through the the lens of now, yeah, it definitely pales. Right, your expectations for what you expect out of a superhero movie are so much higher. Yeah, I mean, I I, I enjoyed them just fine back then, but now I'm just kind of like, yeah, they're whatever, you know. Well, three kind of sucked at the time, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> yes, and Sam Raimi fell prey to what Joel Schumacher did and a lot of other superhero directors before modern time did, which was to put too many bad guys in one movie. Or yeah, too I like many... Thomas Hayden Church, but he didn't need to be in that movie. He right. really mm-hmm. didn't. There was just too many things going on at once, which as we'll get to here in a minute with amazing Spider-Man happened again. You know, it's, you need, you get one villain or you get one guy that maybe, I mean, you look at civil war and your main if, villain. If your villain isn't good enough to, to fight against him one-on-one then make your villain better. Don't and that's the thing the is there are so many characters in civil war, but we'll get to the differences. Yeah. And there's some big ones. And, and anyway, but so out of the original Sam Raimi trilogy, it's good. And at the time it was way above a lot of things are out there, but it doesn't hold a candle to what we're seeing now, basically. Then we get to the reboot with Andrew Garfield, who, man, I wanted to like these movies because Andrew Garfield, as just a guy who wanted to be Spider-Man, and he was such a good Peter Parker, but this, I kind of feel about Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 the same way I feel about Superman in the modern DC universe. Perfect casting, shitty scripts. See, for me, the Sam Raimi trilogy was the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man was the Eric Larson Spider-Man. And Andrew Garfield is still, to me, for now, is still my favorite take on Peter Parker. And I love the first one. The second one, like I said, fell prey to that problem where they're just shoving too many characters in it that was unnecessary. And Electro's character design was terrible. Well, even the first one, I kind of felt like the whole lizard thing it turned into a big video game and his plot was nonsense. Uh, okay. I mean, but and it's it, a shame because it was so close to being awesome. Yeah. I've like, never I've never seen either one of these movies. You need to. I mean, it's you need to be just because of the fact that it's I didn't have a whole lot of desire to because I mean, I was at that point I was already happy with the first Spider-Man tr- trilogy. And I was like, I don't know why we're rebooting this so quickly. I didn't I don't uh-huh. I didn't like Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. I mean, maybe I'd change my mind if I saw it, but I didn't like the casting just and I just was just kind of one of I just had no desire to see him. I was half-hearted on it because because of that. I was I was so still enamored with the original Raimi's film that I was like, 
why do we need this? Yeah, and, and I just you, I just never made any effort to see it. I mean, it's it's not like I'm you know it's not a Keanu kind of thing where I'm like no, I'm never going to watch these. It's just I never made an effort to. But I quickly changed, and I, I as you can hear now, I'm still a, a big fanboy of Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. He he's he's the version that I always wanted, and when he's in the costume and, and playing the character, it's it's worth watching for sure. Even if the rest of the world is kind of questionable. I mean, how far can you extend good casting and uh, kind of forgive a bad script? I mean, I, I stand by my assertion. Henry Cavill's an awesome Superman. I've never seen him be in a good Superman movie. And I kind of feel the same way as Garfield. Garfield got robbed. He should have been. I should feel a way about Andrew Garfield the way you do. But he didn't give him give me a movie that uh, made it worth it as far as I'm concerned. Well, and he got edged out for the new series, which I think some people were upset with because maybe this would have been his chance to prove it. But I think they went the right direction. Oh, yeah. After seeing it. Yeah, because one of the biggest problems with all Marvel properties that are not currently in-house is that they're not part of the juggernaut that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. Sony, unlike Fox, decided, let's do something about that. Well, they... I'm not sure that they were quite as eager. I think there was a little bit more discussion. <laughs> well, sure. But they cut a deal where Fox is like never, not even in the face of Armageddon, never compromise. Yeah. Right. And uh, the, basically the deal was that Marvel would lend their creative weight towards getting Spider-Man right. Sony would get to make the movies, get to take all the money. Um, but in response for officially looping Spider-Man into the Marvel Universe and lending creative support to a standalone Spider-Man series, Spider-Man could appear in MCU movies. And they cast Tom Holland, which is really cool because even though they've told you that Peter Parker was a kid, every time portrayal from Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and before are really kind of the way you see high school students on TV. They're like really 31. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Andrew Garfield was in his early, early, early 20s. I'm pretty sure. But Tom Holland is like a teenager and looks like 13. Yeah. Like, he looks like the way Spider-Man was supposed to from the beginning. Even the voice. Come on! <laughs> Come on! I mean, he's, he's got the cracking voice. He's got, you know, the... the He, again, I, I, we hate to say it every time you see Spider-Man on the screen, because we're always so excited about it, but that guy was made to be Spider-Man. Well, and I started getting hype as soon as I heard Alt-J left-hand playing. Before even the Queen's logo came up, I was just like, that song can only be Spider-Man's theme. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. Andrew Garfield was 29 when the first one came out. Yeah. Wow. I was way wrong. Tom Holland looks the part. And uh, when you get to the fact that the Avengers are fractured, they've got their disagreements and everything's coming from a very logical place, given what everybody's been through and what we've seen in all the movies before. Tony finds himself super understaffed, Mm -hmm. but he's got this idea. And what's really cool about it is some people thought that uh, Spider-Man was shoehorned in and I couldn't disagree more because Tony is reeling from having been accused of just killing a kid. And he finds this kid that reminds him of himself. Yep. Hyper intelligent, an inventor. Uh, lost some of the people who are most important to him. No parents. Tony's obviously been struggling with the death of his own parents lately. 
And oh, he and decides he's going to reach out to this kid and make everything better and get a superhero on his team. Right. And I just want to say, Marvel Universe, thank you for making Marissa Tomei May Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that yet, but you're right. I, I'm uh, with Joel. I'm not sure about it, but so far. But no, you got to. But I, I realize I'm realizing why, because we think about when we were reading Spider-Man, we were excited about Spider-Man. Aunt May was our aunt in our head. The kids that are watching this now, oh yeah, she looks just like my aunt. That's a really good point. Oh yeah, whereas the original Aunt May looks more like a grandma. Right. That's a really good the point. The kids Mike. that are like my I'm, you know, looking at looking at, you know, wow. Aunt May to my kids is my sister. That's fair. Which uh, according to Pat, and hottie. <laughs> your sister is Marissa Tomei. Um Tom Holland is 19 by and the way. And that went weird. Yeah, <laughs> and I I think that casting a 19-year-old who looks 15 was really smart. Yeah. Because he's just got the um, the starstruck, you and know. I can't believe I'm here. I man. can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm on stage with you. Holy cow. You've got a metal arm. That is awesome. <laughs> Probably my favorite line from Spider-Man in the movie. <laughs> I also love when they're like, you may must be new to this fight, fighting thing, but there's usually not so much talking. Yeah, that was <laughs> great. <laughs> Tobey Maguire was 27 when he made the first Spider-Man. My favorite line isn't a Spider-Man line, though. It's where... Uh, Ant Man is, he's like, all right, Arrow Guy. And he's talking to Hawkeye. Yeah. Oh. He calls him Arrow Guy. No, I think my, I think my favorite Ant Man had to been, uh, here's your shield, Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, there's and, a lot of good stuff. But anyway, I, back to Spider Man. Well, one of the things that I liked about it is that they did make him very verbal. Um, he's, he's obviously kind of coming into his own. He's a little starstruck. And Hyperkinetic yet, almost. Oh, yeah. He holds up. He he holds his own against not one but two uh, characters at a time and is kicking ass in a lot of ways. Well, and he, let's not forget that one of the guys he's fighting against is the Winter Soldier, who just one movie ago we saw simultaneously taking on Cap, Black Widow, and the Falcon. Right. And then Spider-Man catches his punch. Yep. And totally throws uh, Winter Soldier for a loop. That yeah. was great i mean he just proves that the staying power of the character and the fact that that whole line about great power because he's not just a guy that has you know uh some uh drugs that made him super strong or that he's got an armor suit or whatever he's got powers that can sense when danger's coming and he's got these webs that he's got and stick on the walls and i don't know well, and they went back to the traditional <laughs> interpretation where he invented Sorry, his own web. That argument just petered out pretty quick. I, didn't know <laughs> I got kind of excited. I he, got all, he, got, he got all he got all lightheaded and stuff. Yeah. He's got this, he's got this, he's got this. I just I just was so happy when he was in the airport taking on the two guys, taking on Winter Soldier and um. It, it was a I great am I am so going to take that phrase out of context later. <laughs> uh, when Stark first recruits him and is being so impressed by his homemade web shooters, I love the fact that his biggest excuse is I can't go to I can't I have, go away. I have homework. I have finals coming up, and of course, and, and again, and, and look at Tony Stark's face. He's like, you did not just say that. <laughs> No, it's. I mean, it. Uh, while Spider Man was awesome, I I know I'm going to cause some problems here. But in after watching Civil War, I'm not sure if I liked Spider Man or Ant Man better. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say I'm. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I liked Civil War, and I was about oh, to fucking shit. flip a table. No, no, <laughs> you're <laughs> cheating. I've heard one. I've heard one negative review, and it's uh, from some guy who's like mindlessly contrarian about anything other people like. 
I, I don't know that I hold it quite the same level that you do just yet, but very was, few people do. I am like obsessed with Civil War. Right it now. was definitely one of the best uh, of the of the series of the universe so far, and it, that's that's a, a a tough bar because even the bad ones are the ones. That, well, not the bad ones. The ones that are lesser are still better than a lot of the other stuff out there. But one of the things that I thought was important to do in the film and um, set it up for future is when he finally gets kind of the shit rocked and Tony's like, all right, you're done. And yep. he gets up and he's like, okay, you're right. I'm done. And you don't see him again until the post credits. Mm-hmm. And, and he tries to stand up. He's like, no, no, I'm okay. No, no, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I think you're right. I'm just going <laughs> to, if you need me, I'll be laying right here. And that moment also explains why his participation in the greater Marvel universe outside of his Sony films is going to be kind of limited because while he held his own, Stark gave him a shot to like play in the big leagues. And as far as Stark is concerned, he, Stark knows he can't risk Peter Parker and stuff like this. He's mm-hmm. going to get the kid killed. Well, and that's where I think once his his movie comes out, it's going to hit a different chord than a lot of the other films out there because he's going to have all those growing pains that a lot of these other guys did, but they did it as adults. And that's where the original concept of the character brings us full circle and you're back to a relatable character that's going to hit a really wide audience. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they work him back in for the mega crossover that's going to be Infinity War 1 and 2. (laughs) You just fanboyed. Sia, there's so much banter. (laughs) Well, and I'm excited to see Daredevil step up to the big leagues. Right. And that's the thing is we see the cast list for what they're talking about, how many characters are at least going to make cameos in Infinity War. And it seems bonkers. But whereas the original Spider-Man trilogies and uh the garfield suffered from having all these characters we just saw through civil war uh they marvel can pull this off well because look how long they've taken to establish their their core group then they've started to branch out as each phase goes they branch out another two three four characters and each one of them has depth and is somebody you care about and then they have the netflix series and they've got the agents of shield and all these people that are so have so much going on that when they put them in here, it's not like just a throwaway character. It's somebody you've seen one, two, three, four times before. Well, and uh-huh. that's because Marvel is, they've tried to make movies before. They know what the, they know. I mean, look at the 1990 uh, Captain America. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, look <laughs> at what. don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just Why saying, would you want to do that? Because look at what happens when they just say, okay, cool, go make this movie. They have taken so much care in making sure that every single line connects to the next step they have got this so under control that because i mean who else is better at doing continuity than marvel you know nobody yeah i mean years ago i might have said star wars but since they discarded most of their years of continuity right now marvel's the king of this shit yeah doctor who Mm, continuity but we'll go with okay they're they're good wwe motherfuckers I'll give you that. I will give right. you that. <laughs> All right. Never mind. So Marvel. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, and, and I think that's one of the things that they've had a lot of growing pains and it took them a long time to learn that. But once they got through the first phase and realized what they needed to do, they've made that their focal point. Yeah. And like anybody else trying to pull off something like Civil War, it would have seemed a, di- a disjointed, incoherent mess with characters just thrown in for no reason. I mean, I, I hate to keep bashing on Batman versus Superman, but it invites the comparison. 
where there were only three of them in Batman versus Superman. And as much as I love Gal Gadot in BVS, she was like one of the few good things about it. She, she was the third character and she seemed almost tacked on to that story. Well, and think about what Marvel has done in incorporating the likenesses and the characters into the comics, the video games, the TV series. I mean, they're, they're webbing it all in so that it all. Ah, I see what I did there. (laughs) So it all ties together. So the kids that are growing up with this, they're going to see it all as one big giant ball of of awesome instead of fragmented pieces like dc is continually seeming to do they just they seem to refuse to want to have everything have continuity well sure and they don't want to put in the work it's like the person is like oh wow that boxer's awesome i put on gloves i'm a boxer now give me a (laughs) shot at the title and And uh, it's just crazy i mean i'm just looking at you've got all these established characters and they give us a new spider-man and for the first time ever we see black panther on screen and they both like are completely realized characters, and it worked. Right. And Black Panther could have gone so badly. His introduction was pretty awesome. Well, the whole, and, and, shit, when, the whole chase that he had when he was trying to chase down Winter Soldier along with everybody else—that was yeah. awesome. No, it was especially. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it's the things that I like is the fact that his suit is made out of uh, vibranium, and he's able to, again, spoilers at the very end, to catch the bullet coming straight out of the barrel to stop to stop that guy from killing himself. Sub Zemo, yeah, he's getting direct. He's getting shot constantly, and he's just standing like whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and think about it. And they're still introducing new characters in Civil War. So um, uh, Peggy Carter's um, niece, she's not new. She's not even remotely new. (laughs) No, but I mean, she's been in the other movies, but they're 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 introducing her now to make that transformation to where she is also going to be yet another character that's part of the greater whole, even though she's been kind of a minor character throughout the the movies specifically not the comics or anything mm-hmm, yeah. um and, and i think punisher is a good example of of how marvel has handled things throughout the years because in 89 you know they said okay we're gonna make a movie here's Dolph lundgren loosely based on and then the thomas jane was a little closer but still off and then the the ray stevenson was the closest and then now you've got the netflix series and they got it right you know i mean i still love ray stevenson's portrayal don't get me wrong but it's a good example of of the progression that they've gone through and the growing pains and what's brought them to where they're at now. And I want to see all this stuff. I'd love to see Black Panther crossing over with Daredevil and the Punisher. It happens in the comics. Yep. And just the ability that they take with these complex for comic book characters. I mean, I don't know how, Pat, you're the non-comic guy. How much did you know about Black Panther before the film? Um, his introduction, the reason, one of the reasons I thought it was so cool, because the entire time it's going on, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Whereas Black Panther is well established as this genius, uh, tactician, expert, Mm -hmm. peak human physical combatant with technology that is at the bleeding edge of what humans are possible. And he's also got the warrior spirits of his entire country, like backing up his powers. Yeah. Yeah, When when they opened fire on him with that can, with the, um, with the helicopter and he just like shrugs off the bullets. I was like, what? Who the fuck? (laughs) I can just see you in the theater standing up. Do you know who this guy is? (laughs) What's going (laughs) on? 
Stop well, yelling at me, sir. I just like Captain America. <laughs> that's, that's, Someone tell me right now who this motherfucker is. Well, that's another that's another thing that, that Juliana kind of brought up on the way home from it. Is I, I asked her, I said, so who's your favorite character in, in Civil War? And she, she's like, you know, that's really hard to say. And she started going through the list. And it kind of hit me the same realization that even though you've got all this great cast of characters and, and you know, maybe growing up you had your favorite, I couldn't single one out either because each one of them has something going for them that makes them stand out and be a character that you could be your favorite character for that scene. And I, I honestly, I can't pick out of all of them. They're all equally just as awesome. And Paul Bettany's vision getting into uh, his relationship with Scarlet Witch while they're on the opposite sides. Yeah. So awesome and heartbreaking at the same time. That was, uh, that was part of the discussion on the way home was, it's you know uh suzanne commented about how vision uh got thrown off he missed because he was distracted she's like he's like oh he he's you know developing feelings for uh scarlet witch and i'm like yeah just wait till they get married and she's like what yeah like, yeah well, they do they do oh yeah oh how adorable yeah i was having problems with the fact that i'm thinking about Aunt may and sporting a chubby <laughs> <laughs> isn't he yeah never mind well, and then also <laughs> no, the, that. the <laughs> fact that, yeah. oh, that you've got all these characters that technically, uh, in a lot of ways, shouldn't have any right to be in some of these battles because of the, I mean, Thor is a god, basically, whereas Hawkeye is a guy that's really good at shooting arrows at stuff. But yet, well, it, yeah, the universe, there's a large gap there in talent. But they sure. all work together and they all have uh, a part in the end result. Yeah. And there's a reason why Hulk and Thor needed to be taken off the board. Well, <laughs> anybody that can start scooping up guys and putting them under their arms and making them behave. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it would have been a totally different scenario, yeah. but and they the were missing is, during Civil War in the comics too. The the point is is that everybody has a role and everybody is important and it all ties together individually and se- and as a unit. And just getting back to uh, Aunt May, I, I do love the fact that anytime Spider-Man started to get out of line, Tony just threatened to tell Aunt May on him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The equivalent of, I'm going to call mom. Yeah. Right. And it's the ultimate trump card, because that's what he's most afraid of. <laughs> okay. We're missing one scene we should mention before we wrap this up, I think, probably. Okay. Before we fanboy too hard. The, the part where... Spider-Man is like, hey, did you guys, any of you guys see that really old movie? Oh, like, yeah. what? And he's like, the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> that whole sequence yeah, like, was... How, yeah, like, what was it? Like, how, how old is this kid? He's like, well, I didn't fully vet him or whatever. <laughs> it's like, let's just say he's young. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, his plan to take down Ant-Man as, yeah, and that was a surprise. I did not see that coming. Oh my God, that was so yeah, awesome. That was really cool. Ant-Man okay, is guys, giant man. I've only done <laughs> this <laughs> once. With, with, and it was in the lab. Like, Does anyone else have any earth-shattering new <laughs> abilities they'd like to share with us? I've only done this once, and it was in a lab, and I passed out. <laughs> and when so he's... if I rip myself in half, <laughs> or when... just the way he was so—I ex- mean, I, I just love that about the Ant-Man character. Like he's so excited the whole time he's doing it. He's like, "Yes, yes," as he's just destroying everything. He's doesn't just... up to the big league. That's and that right was there. the thing. Is like. Uh, uh, Paul Rudd delivers those lines so well. I mean, at the, even at the very end when he's laying there, he's like, does anybody have any orange slices? <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I mean, 
uh, well, and then you think, you know, meanwhile in the background, the wasp is coming. You know, there's there's all these great things that are are yet to come. Um, yeah, and there was something else I was going to make a point about, and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> toot toot. So I I just thought it was pretty awesome that uh, Ant Man, who was like at the way at the bottom, turned out to be suddenly, literally and figuratively, the biggest threat on the battlefield. And then the only reason he got taken out was because Peter Parker was thinking, you know, Star Wars might work here. <laughs> oh, I remember. I I really like the the character progression of the Falcon. Yeah, because he was such. He's, a, become, he's, he's become much more than just a sidekick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you ever read the comics, him and Captain America, I mean, they had an ongoing series together. I mean, they've been tied together on and off for they got a bromance going forever. Yeah, and the fact well, that hell, they, Sam Wilson is Captain America right now in the comics. Exactly, really? and they've yep. built that that they've done the slow burn with it enough that you believe the progression and the fact that he's now stepped up and has his own toys and his own things that can make him equal to and the ability is the other like using his wings as a shield or you know his little i can't think of the name of it right now it was a real bird in the series but or in the comics no but okay so here's a question for you guys then Mm -hmm. um you guys are all experts and everything on this a lot more than i am if they all if the entire cast of this movie got into a a free-for-all royal rumble style who wins Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody in the movie you mean (laughs) yeah everybody that's in the movie if the they vision, all the vision. one big vision every Scarlet man for himself. Witch. Yeah, I would definitely say it's either the Vision or Scarlet Witch because Scarlet Witch. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're the, they have the most power at their demand at their control if they want to. I was actually that's what I was thinking the entire battle. I'm like, she's probably the most powerful, and she's yeah. not really doing as much as she could. You, she was pulling her punches for yeah, a reason. You are really making an understatement there. <laughs> well, yeah, in the Marvel universe, uh, she loses control of her powers and kills both Hawkeye and Vision. Oh, shit. And uh, when she goes mental, like the uh, both the X-Men and the Avengers come together to decide if they need to put her down permanently for the good of the universe. And uh, she ends up uh, Quicksilver, who in the comics is not dead, yeah. rescues her before they can come to a decision. And she decides that the biggest problem is superpowers exist. So she says three words, no more mutants. And with those three words, uh, wipes out nine out of every ten mutants in the Marvel Universe. Damn. On the spot. They either die or lose their powers. Well, and Patrick, just to throw a little bit more uh, at you, her and Quicksilver, you know who their dad is, right? I'm, nope. I'm going to take his silence as no. Uh, Magneto. Yep. Really? Yes, they yep. cannot reveal that because Magneto is an X-Men character, but that's who their father's supposed to be. In the MCU, it's assumed that their father is some random dude in Sokovia. So well, uh, their background's different. Fascinating. I don't know how many times you saw Avengers 2, but it's pretty well confirmed it's not supposed to be Magneto. Yeah. Because <laughs> their father was killed in the explosion that took out the building. Yeah, that was a plot point in that movie. Already. And if yep. they ever were able to get the rights to the characters, they could potentially say that, you know, he, wasn't he was adopted or something, whatever. right? But yeah, sure. In the comics, that's that's who their dad is. So talk huh. about a crazy, powerful family. And yeah, yeah like other hardcore comics nerds, I know that I totally skipped over a bunch of stuff when talking about House of M. I'm not ready to blow Patrick's mind, and this is the Spider-Man show. <laughs> House House of M is an entire that's a that's a show on its own almost. I know I cut straight past House of M and into Decimation, but yeah, that's a thing. I I am aware of my error. 
error. Don't write in about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I that my first clue that Scarlet Witch was pretty damn powerful was when she pretty much buried Vision like eighty-seven floors below. I was like, I was like, holy shit, what's going on with this chick? <laughs> yeah, set him to the core of the earth, basically. Did, did, pretty much, that's what it looked like. Did yeah. you not see Avengers two? I did. I was gonna say when like she took on every member of the Avengers and one aside from Hawkeye. No, I mean, it, it was mainly just the fact that she did it to him, because I know how powerful he is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's and a good, another, backs up my point about every character able to hold their own. I mean, yeah. Hawkeye, Hawkeye took her out just because, I mean, probably because she wasn't paying attention or didn't, you know, was assuming too much. Well, and that's the thing is uh, the whole thing about Wanda not being fully in control of her powers is a big deal in the Marvel Universe. So it was a strong choice to sub her in for what happened in the original civil war with the accident that precipitates the civil war. Like they bring two elements that are present in the comics together and they make more sense. Mm -hmm. All right. So go round round table. What is your favorite incarnation of Spider-Man? Like Are we talking period? Or period. Just in I'll, the films? I'll start to give you guys time to think, but yeah, I'm probably overall, I would say, you know, um, I'm going to jump the gun and say um, this latest one, that kid, uh, which is it, Tom Holland? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's everything that I've ever really imagined Spider-Man to look like, sound like, act like, everything, you know, I mean, just from, and I was, well, I may have not have read the comics a whole lot when I was younger, but I, Spider-Man was one of my favorites when I was a kid. I loved the show and everything, and just as an adult that he i think he's better than toby Maguire was in in the role for sure and i can't wait to see what he they do with him in the movies with this actor and with the character now nice my favorite incarnation of spider-man is dr otto octavius's superior spider-man i almost could have guessed that yeah as much as i love peter and as much as I like all of the film incarnations, Superior Spider-Man just hits that sweet spot. The the dark, the villain slash dark hero trying to be something better than he is. I love Superior. Nice, Joel. Well, for for the sake of um, my youth, I mean, the Eric Larson take on Spider-Man that run was was really what got me excited about Spider-Man. So I, I love that characterization, but I mean, I'm still going to hold to my Andrew Garfield, at least in the live action sense, as being my favorite. But I have a really, really strong feeling that once Homecoming comes out, that Tom Holland will probably take over that spot. I, I really, I probably don't even need to say <laughs> say that that it's going to happen, but because he had such little screen time right now, I'm I don't want to go that route just yet. All right, I think I said it earlier. I like the the noir Spider-Man noir. Um, just the whole world is is like that steampunk Sam Spade, uh, 1920s, 1930s gangster type feel. And I just, the, the whole, it's not so much as, as that Spider-Man is better in that one, but the world as a whole, I think, is more fun to me. Awesome. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we're I think we're able to wrap up here and uh, talk about what we've got on tap for next week. Next week, we're bringing out our Titans. <laughs> we're doing Remember the Titans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're actually going to talk about Clash of the Titans, uh, the classic Ray Harryhausen and the remake a few years back. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, all of that Greek mythology and metal owls and animated skeletons. Yeah. And I think after this show, we can all agree that all of us grew up loving and still love Spider-Man. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Spider-Man's in that category is like like Muppets. If you don't find someone who doesn't like Spider-Man, don't trust them. <laughs> so uh, if you guys want to give us a ring and tell us your favorite Spider-Moment that maybe we didn't talk about or expand on something that we did talk about, you always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Drop us a voicemail. Yep. And if you want to get us by uh, text or you can find us on Twitter at at 40go14 or find us on Facebook uh, and just looking up uh, 40 Going On 14 podcast. Nice. Oh, I was going to say, and check us out on the Podcast Collective at podcastcollective.com. Yes. And you can find our entire archive on iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, other fine pa- podcasting directories, including Google Play Podcasts. Right on. I just realized my favorite Spider-Man cameo. Okay. Half-baked. Thwip. <laughs> Way to pull that out of your butt. <sighs> and we're back to Pat's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he said where, it's where we always should be. <laughs> I'm glad the webbing right. doesn't come out of there. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And every time Harry Hamlin comes up, I'm going to come up, if you know what I mean. No, I, I, I don't, actually. What, what do you mean? Erections. Oh, just like, yeah. All right, you oh, that was right. I just just wanted to say that. <laughs> you can go to bed now, Josh. You're done for the <laughs> night. <laughs>